Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Justin the Food Entrepreneur Show. I'm Justin Bizarro. I'm your host. That's B-I-Z-Z-A-R-R-O. For anyone who's out there who's trying to find us, you can find us on Instagram at Justin the Food Entrepreneurs, or you can find us on Spotify or wherever else you grow yourself through podcasts. So I'm going to jump right into it. We got a friend of Leon Smashburger with us. You guys just did a collaboration, which we're going to get into in this episode. But in the meantime, I'm going to introduce... James from Doughboys out of Rochester, New York. How are you doing today, James, or preferred to be called Jim? I'll call you Jim. But um, Jim, how are you doing today? I'm good, man. Had a nice, productive semi-day off and getting ready for the week. Everything's good. So let's talk about this. Like, you're, uh, I believe, is Doughboys pizza... Uh, let's yep. get get into that because when I hear dough, sometimes I think of donuts. Like I'm like, if I had pizza, I'd have donuts in the day, pizza at night. Or yep. I guess a lot of people do. Like in New York City, there's um, uh, a guy, and he has Greenberg bagels and Valentino's pizza or Valentine's pizza. So he does bagel dough and pizza dough um, oh, cool. as well. You know, and he's been on the podcast three episodes, so he's a really cool guy. Um, but yeah, so he calls it the dough corner. But I always think of like if you're in dough already. Although I've learned a lot about dough. Okay, so I'm like like the crazy amount of information that is in my brain over the last year over dough because when I cooked <laughs> food for hospitals and long-term care homes and health, and we cook from scratch, we outsourced most of the baking, or we brought in the mixes and just mixed them and put them in like you know cornbread muffins or muffins everything was already done for us that was the only thing we outsourced everything else we tried to make from scratch unless it was lasagna because you don't want to make that from scratch when you're doing tens of thousands of meals every day in every part of the country in every situation trying to get it out to hospitals you know sometimes (laughs) thirty-three thousand. yeah anywhere from thirty-three thousand meals to seventy-five thousand meals a day um mostly uh just for healthcare alone in each of the facilities so quite a lot um doing 75 million meals a year um roughly at one time at our peak that included direct to consumers and all that as well and healthcare and long-term care homes and grocery stores and all that fun stuff but dough it's crazy humidity matters proofing matters uh from day to day the proofing can change you can't give someone a set recipe and be like mimic this like you can in food like a burger is a burger is a burger if it's one a quarter pound it's roughly the same temperature it could go in the oven for the same amount of time and it's always going to be the same no matter what part of the world you're in okay roughly okay dough fuck no okay like it is like it is one of the most people are like oh pizza is the best business to be in i agree from a profitability standpoint and everyone loves pizza but you're dealing with something totally different which i really want to get into because i'm like my brain is like really into this space but jim let's go back to the beginning here let's let's hear your story this is about you this is not about my my new obsession with dough and uh, <laughs> um, let's talk about the how you began, how you got into food, like where'd you grow up, and sort of your journey. Like take as much time as you need. This is your episode. Again, I All can right. always cut into two parts. Uh, we can always record yeah. a part two if we need to, if we don't get through all the questions. But this is about you guys and getting your message out there to help other entrepreneurs. So let you Absolutely. know, it's yours, man. Cool. So uh, started when I was, I will start, start in the dish pit because that's, that's where everything happens. Um, 13 years old, got my first job illegally. 
um, washing dishes under the table at this local Italian restaurant. Um, didn't love doing it, but you know, I, I learned that dishwashing is a lot of hustle. So uh, about four or five months into that job, the chef looked at me. He's like, we're going to turn you into a prep cook. He's like, you got the work ethic. He's like, next week you start prepping. So I worked Friday, Saturday, Sunday after school on Friday and then through the whole weekend. And I turned into a prep cook to a line cook. And I was at this one spot for six years. Ended up when I was like, I think 17, 18, took over for the head chef. Started running the entire Italian restaurant, which it was like a high-end banquet house where they were doing, you know, all parties and a la carte all at the same time. So I, I grew up in that role and then, you know, went to college for phys ed. I don't know why, but made that mistake. Did my two years um, and got out and I was like, I don't want to be a gym teacher, you know, like I don't want to sit at a desk. I don't want to wake up early and go do all this stuff. So my mom told me, go back to school for hospitality. Left the Italian restaurant and just started bouncing around each restaurant. Cause the most important thing in this industry is learning. Every day you wake up, you learn, 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 fail, 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 learn, learn, learn. And um, I kind of got addicted to that. Going into different kitchens and working with different chefs and seeing different ways how people were doing things. It was almost like a, like a master science experiment, you know what I mean? So um, I nerded out on that. Um, started working as, you know, moving up, being a sous chef here, a sous chef there. And then finally I got the opportunity to go to New York City and badge at a Michelin restaurant. And that, that kind of really opened my mind of like, what, what do I want to do with my career? So I got back from New York City. I did all that, and then I started getting executive chef jobs, and that was a whole different identity. The food was the food at the end of the day, but being a chef, to me, is leadership, it's profitability, it's uh, can, you know, can you manage a team to want to come into work every day and be excited and bring the same energy that you're bringing? So when I, I took a step back of like, all the food stuff. And I started really focusing on the business stuff. How can I make this business more money? How can I, you know, biggest thing we're having right now in this industry is having people come to work every day. So how can I, what can I do to make sure that these things that make my job easy at the end of the day are checkmarked every day. And, you know, that's what I started nerding out on when I got those executive chef rules. So, um, it was a big deal to me that I, I come in with a positive attitude. It was a big deal to me that I left everything at the door of my problems so that my staff could be educated and have the support that they needed to be successful. So um, when I started nerding out on that, you know, I took this job at, it was called Bronca in Bushnell's Basin. It was an Italian restaurant and um, that job turned into a huge project because I got thrown, they were doing Neapolitan style pizzas and I was brought in as a sous chef, moved into the executive chef job, but I've never made a pizza in my entire lifetime or career. And I remember this, um, 
the owners came in and I remember them, hey, make us a pizza. So I made him a pizza and I brought it out to him. And I remember the one owner, <laughs> she looked at me and goes, you need to go home and research Neapolitan pizza because this is not it. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God. So that's where my whole scientific like experiment, being an executive chef and the food nerding out, I really went into a different like dynamic. And I, I, I had nobody to teach me there either. It wasn't like I had a mentor to teach me how to make pizza. I was, I had the recipes and that was it. So I did that for about three years. I had a lot of cool, interesting people come into that pizza pit and show me different styles of cooking, how to build a fire, um, how to proof dough, uh, when the dough is overproof, when not to use it. So there were so many variables um, in that experience. But at the end, I left that job with a lot of confidence and a lot of, you know, a lot of knowledge of what I learned to become like what I am today. So um, I left that job, took some time off, did some other side, I'd say cooking, sous chef jobs, and then um, the pandemic hit. Uh, I lost my job as a, as a line cook at the time, just taking a step back. And then... Um, Cuomo was giving everybody an extra $600 for not working through the pandemic. And I took that $600 and I bought myself a pizza oven. It was a portable pizza oven. I bought one of the Gosney ovens. And then as soon as I got that, I started with the original like pizza recipe that I learned at Branca. And then I realized that we could make that better. We were using wet yeast and you know some cheap flour and really like if you're going to eat pizza and you're going to eat it all the time put the best ingredients on that pizza organic flour you know sourdough yeast which not everybody has an acquired taste for but it's it's good for you it breaks down all that all that flour a lot better with you know probiotics and all that good stuff so i, I went to the drawing board and I had the pandemic and this pizza oven. I had the time with the pandemic and this pizza oven. And every day I would make a different, sometimes it was two to three batches of dough. And I have four or five huge logs, like books that have just behaviors of like water, salt percentage, you know, yeast percentage and behaviors, four hours fermentation, 14 hours fermentation. 86 hour fermentation. And I was just geeking out on this one recipe. So that, that turned into, that turned into the, the staple recipe for when we started Doughboys. Um, I started posting pictures all over my Instagram. People were like that pizza looks absolutely incredible. When can we come pick some up? This, this and that. And then finally it got to a point. I was like, Sunday I'm making 20 pizzas me if you guys want a pizza in three minutes all 20 pizzas were gone so i started to pop pizza pop up right out of my garage um so then we sold out that sunday we did different time zones so the first time zone was five the second one was six the third one was seven and then we just did small hits of pizza people would come up 
drive to the end of the driveway because pandemic, we were trying to be safe, pop the trunk, put the pizza in the trunk, they drive off and have it for dinner. Yeah, uh, we did that 56 the, weeks in a row, one time a week, 60 pies, and we sold out. Because so. the COVID doesn't, well, as long as you don't contact the human, you throw the COVID pizza in the car, it's not going to yeah. go with you, of course. <laughs> it's like, oh, pop, you know, open your passenger door, here's the pizza. Have a great <laughs> yeah. day. You know, we masked yeah. up, we gloved up. I know, I know. I just find it so amusing. But anyway, go <laughs> ahead. <laughs> yeah. So we sold out 56 weeks in a row which was absolutely incredible. And it was me, me and my homie Anto, the original, my part owner. He's, he's not with us anymore. Like ownership wise, he went off and did his own adventure, which he's killing it right now. Shout out to Anto. Um, but he helped build the foundation of Doughboys, and, you know, he gets all the credit in the world for being fantastic. But we did that for a year, did, you know, every week selling out the pizzas and then, we hit this point. I don't know if you remember. It was like phase two of the pandemic where Cuomo shut down the whole like bar scene, like bars couldn't, couldn't pour a beer or make a cocktail unless they had some food with them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, Cause that makes a lot sense. of, right. Makes sense. But a lot of breweries in Rochester didn't have food. Yeah, exactly. So now these, so now these same in Colorado. Right. So now all these businesses can't open but this is their life. You know what I mean? They can't sit back and just not do anything. So a lot of breweries reached out to me and they were like, please pop up at our brewery so we can open the tap room. And then we got you guys making your own, you know, pizza and everything. So we, man, that second year we went on a hiatus. We were like booked three, four times a week, just going all over Rochester. I mean, we're driving, an hour, two hours out just to, you know, at the majority of it was me trying to like help these breweries stay open so they can make money. Cause I know that there's, you know, there was no program. There was nothing for all these restaurants to, or breweries to figure it out. So yeah, we did that. And then I, um, there's a brewery in Avon called Mortalis Brewing and they, they've, they've pretty much shook the country with, with their styles of uh, fruited sours and, you know, they're, they're nationally known, even internationally known for all their beer. And um, Saturday mornings they would do, um, it was probably once a month, every Saturday morning, they were doing like barrel aged beer releases. And these dudes had 300 people camping the night before to wait in line for one bottle of beer. So, they called me up and they're like, you want to do breakfast pizzas in the morning at like 6 a.m.? And I'm like, there's 300 people there. They're drinking. They're hungry. I'm there. So we teamed up with this brewery uh, with Mortalis. And, you know, we, we created some type of cool wave with the whole pandemic and to-go beer and, you know, breakfast pizzas and all that stuff. And then finally the pandemic settled down and... um I had an opportunity to walk into this really old bar at in Rochester. It's one of the oldest bars uh, in the city. It's called the Richmond. And um, they, they did a renovation on opening the bar and um, they asked me to do, uh, would you like to be stationed here Thursday, Friday, Saturdays? And I was like, you know what? The pop-up, that pop-up game was slowly dying off. And I, I knew that trend was happening. Um, so I was trying to get 
you know, our product and everything stationary where people didn't have to chase us around anymore. They could be like, oh, just we want Doughboy's Pizza. Let's we just go to the Richmond every Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And we killed it. And we we took off. Um, the owners, original owners broke up. And then I reached out to my homies at the brewery, Mortalis. And I was like, hey, I think they're trying to sell the bar. And uh, Mortalis swooped right in and then bought the bar. And now, right now, today, we we partnered up because I was there before Mortalis got there. But um, we partnered up and Mortalis and I are business partners now. And we're open five days a week at the Richmond. And, you know, we, we are absolutely killing it right now. So that's kind of like the whole small background of how I started and how Doughboys kind of came into its identity. Um, the dough is a probably whole separate conversation <laughs> if you really wanted to get into it. Um, all, all I can say about the dough is everything is organic. The flour is from Italy, um, mainly because in the U.S. we have industrialized wheat fields. And what that means is chemicals are sprayed on them. And all that bullshit is packed up and put in a bag and sold to every pizzeria in the city for $10 a bag. Um, I've realized that that's the stuff that's causing people to become more gluten intolerant and it's hurting our bodies. So I do the best I can to get the best products in. And our, our flour is rye flour, uh, bread flour, and caputo, which is double zero. And it's all imported from Italy. So we have a, a strict little, uh, they're not handpicked, but I know that the flour over there isn't, isn't uh, industrialized. And then we basically just salt water and um, the sourdough. The sourdough starter, I started about six, seven years ago now. I, I cultivated yeast from the air in my house. So the starter has been rocking for about seven years now we haven't missed a beat with her so she's super strong and she's super active and she's been making pizza for a while now you have explained to me your little pet yeast here like explain to me how (laughs) this guy works i know it's like also the same in kombucha like and it's the same pharmaceutical companies have like the origin like thing that helps them do like pharmaceuticals too i i from what i understand i could be wrong but Explain to me this, the mother of all pizza for, for your rush, so the mother of all doughboys. Yeah. So basically how you start a uh, start, uh, sourdough starter is basically you cultivate yeast from the air. So it's a 14-day process. So basically you take unbleached flour, so the best flour you can find, rye flour, AP flour, or any type of other flour, and you mix water with it, right? And it's a one-to-one ratio. So if you're doing 50 grams of water, you got to do 50 grams of flour total. So you mix that together, take the top off, and you leave it on the counter. All, all the living organisms in the air will go into it. And basically, you cut that in half the next day, and you feed it again with fresh water and fresh flour. So this is a 14-day process of doing it every single day. And by the time those 14 days happen, it matures. All the yeast that we're breathing in, all that stuff matures, and you can start feeding it and feeding it and making it bigger and bigger and bigger. And basically, you want those cell counts to be super active. 
So then you take that mother and you take a bunch of flour and the more flour you have, the more it's going to eat carbs. And then you can turn that into pizza dough. That's incredible. So how do you keep, so do you take a little piece of it and mix it with the flour then? Like how do you get it into the the dough? So I basically take 25 grams of my mother and I feed the starter. So say my recipe, my dough recipe calls for 3,000 grams of LSD, we call it, liquid sourdough. I love it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's trippy. But um, say the recipe, your dough recipe calls for 3,000 grams of LSD. I take 3,000 um, or 1,500 grams of water, 1,500 grams of flour. That's 3,000. Mix it together, and then you do 25 grams of the LSD. And then over the 12 hours overnight, it will feed off the brand new flour that you introduced it to. And now at the next day, you have 3,000 grams of your your yeast. This, and it multiplies. So this is where no is, matter what anyone says, I don't care vegan or not vegan, you're eating living things, period. Yes. Yeah. Oh, wait. Oh, this is 100% vegan too, which is great. Yeah, it's 100% vegan, but it is a living organism. Like just so Correct. we're aware of pizza, even after it's cooked, we're still got all that shit going on in there. And um, Absolutely. Um, that's what I'm learning about dough. Like we have all these preconceived ideas. I want to attach something else also. The allergy to gluten is actually a mathematical problem, okay? Because many people, when you go to Europe or Asia or South America, you don't get alert, uh, allergy to gluten, okay? I have a gluten sensitivity, meaning my hands peel, like, in my elbows and knees, like, a crazy amount. And I don't even understand right. why, particularly with with um, with non, like, the whitest of white breads, okay? The bleached, fortified bread. If I have Italian bread and wheat bread, it's not as bad. But the reason right. is this, is because the body doesn't know all the chemicals and stuff we, we do and all the shit we do to the fields, okay? It also doesn't understand wheat and the way we strip it of all of its nutrients in the United States. Everywhere else, they use more of the whole wheat um, vessel, but we strip down wheat until it's very basic, and then we fortify in the vitamins that we've already stripped out. It makes no fucking sense, okay? Right. But we do it here. Same with rice, guys. We strip it all of its shit, yep. make it, and then try to fortify it so we get the right vitamins, even though we should just get the natural ones or diversify our diets, okay? Right. So in the human body, it's like one plus one equals two, okay? So a plus B equals C, always, okay? So if A is gluten and B is all the bad shit that they're spraying on it and C is the outcome, it oh, my body always thinks that gluten is a, it, a is always accompanied by B and thus C is going to be the reaction in my body. My body does not understand the difference because over time, the more and more we become exposed, the more and actually that will compound from generation to generation. We pass this shit on Absolutely. to our children, even though we don't think we do. We're mammals. We pass that shit on in our genetic codes. Okay. We right. gain that intolerance. That's why it's escalating and we eat more and, and more gluten so because of the pyramid the stupid food pyramid in this country. And like we eat a lot of it, but we're not realizing what's good. Like sourdough and what we're talking about naturally fortifying pizza That's or items that are made from, I wish and I support American businesses and farms and it's my number one thing in local sourcing, but I 100% agree you have to get flour from a foreign country. 
Okay, right. Italy in particular. There's no going back for us, unfortunately. Yeah. It's yep. done. What's what's done is done. It's done. You know, we it's need done. To do better to to make better food for us. Yeah, that's that's all we can do, and that's yeah. that's my goal. Is like I don't want you to come in and eat a pizza and feel like garbage till 9 p.m. the next day. That's that's not why I'm doing this. You know what I mean? Rochester has such a saturated market for pizza that will just it's a a vessel for you to fill your stomach and i hate it and i hate it so much but you know all i can do is keep doing my best to bring really good pizza you know to the area healthy you know i'm not saying it's the healthiest but i'm saying it's better than the other stuff i promise you yeah and everyone's always going to be like calorie counts and all that that shit i know people care about that stuff but it doesn't really matter like your bot you won't eat more than your fair share of calories if you're eating the right kind of foods and getting the right kind of nutrients and vitamins that's just the fact your body's gonna break it down way faster so if you eat my pizza it's digested in an hour i promise somebody else's with you know with the dirty process dry yeast all that it's going to take three to four to six hours, depending on your metabolism. Yeah, and, and it'll sit in your time. body like a brick for days going, trying to get through your body, especially the more you eat. It's like when right. people don't realize that stuff, like hamburgers, depending on the bun. That People are like, oh, the meat, the hamburger, I ate too many hamburgers, or it's the cheese. Well, it depends on the cheese, but it really depends on the buns also. And sure. this is really why I wanted to talk to you, because one of the things that I feel that you're doing is you've got it right the first time okay or whatever time it is like you just you know you understand it you understand the gluten issue you got this really cool concept going okay um you mentioned neapolitan pizza you've mentioned pizza styles will you a little bit explain the differences and the types of pizza for the audience because i think many people see like brooklyn style and pan pizza and chicago style and new york style and then you know, Neapolitan and now sourdough, like they're like, the people are like, really, they don't understand the difference. A lot of them and even entrepreneurs trying to get in the pizza game. They're like, whoa, how do I figure out what I want to do here? And there's so many options. So would you right. mind going into that a little bit? Because yeah. I feel like you are a student of the game. So Absolutely. I want to we'll I'd like to pick your brain on this. Yeah, we'll start with uh, Chicago style. So it's Chicago style deep dish, which is basically inverted and the toppings are all like cooked in there kind of like a lasagna layered in um and it's real heavy thick butter crust fork and knife type pizza sits in your stomach for years (laughs) but i mean i love chicago deep dish i can you know one or two pieces here and there i like to splurge out and enjoy that um and then there's detroit style which is like the newest newest pizza the hottest pizza right now i'd say in the game it's it's a pan pizza. It's almost like an, a a Sicilian Nona style, but it's got this really buttery crust cross with Chicago, um, and it bakes with the cheese like crispy cheese on the outside. Usually cut into four pieces like a rectangle. Um, that's that's probably the 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 big uh, hurrah right now. Everybody loves Detroit style because it's like fills you up really fatty, really greasy but also isn't as heavy as uh, Chicago. Um, And then there's Brooklyn style, New York style, thin, crispy, um, classic pepperoni. Uh, Neapolitan style is basically pizza cooked at 900 degrees. Um, 
high to heat really quick. It takes about 90 seconds for uh, Neapolitan pizza to cook versus the cooking temp or cooking duration of New York, which is like 15 minutes and Chicago, 20, 25 and same with Detroit. Uh, Neapolitan pizza is meant to be basically super simple, super fresh, cooked really quick. Um, traditionally in Italy, if you get a Neapolitan style pizza, you're going to see super crazy leopard print on the outside, soft, chewy, almost like melts. Like you need a fork and knife to eat classic Neapolitan style pizza. You can't pick it up. There's no way of picking it up if it's done well. Um, my pizza is a cross between, I don't want to say New York, but it's a cross between Neapolitan, which is soft and sourdough baking, like a bread. Like when you get a loaf of sourdough bread, you get that hard crust on the outside. Neapolitan, we have that, but with the Neapolitan characteristics of that soft, beautifully baked bread inside. So it's crispy, but soft on the inside. So Neapolitan is, it's made for quick pizza, like 90 seconds out, boom. Yeah, and it makes sense because like the it started in obviously Naples. Uh, I think that's yep. the oldest pizzeria in the world actually it still exists there. Yeah, and um, and one of the things is the smaller kitchens in Europe. So this style became a way of doing it: smaller kitchens, smaller seating. You wanted people out of there faster. You didn't want people waiting fifteen minutes, and you could only switch. You know, get them four customers and you know, yeah. whatever time versus a lot know. of Neapolitan pizzas are like very simple too. We're, this is not Neapolitan pizza is not the place to go in and say, I'll take a large pepperoni, extra cheese, extra sauce, banana peppers. That's not how that is. It's margarita, marinara, and like whatever the chef wants to put on it. It's very light, very, you know, we don't, you don't need a bunch of cheese on a pizza to enjoy it. So I would say that's like one of the characteristics that I fell in love with Neapolitan pizza. You're putting eight pieces, small pieces of cheese on it versus, you know, all the other toppings that go on the other pizzas, you know? So it's meant to be light and enjoyable and not crush you. This is, um, this is so cool because like I've been, I've been, um, baking quite a bit recently and, um, it's just crazy because the sourdough, like all the different things and the concepts. And again, it's been for my uh, education and um, my own education, my own growth. But it's just so crazy how much the different styles, the different flavors, the different organisms that, that create the different flavor profiles also really blows my mind. And then... Like you said, I think that there's so much creativity out there to the right entrepreneurs, which which you're doing. You're talking about this sourdough, sourdough bread pizza, which is mm -hmm. phenomenal, which I, I think that what you're doing is an amazing concept. I think there's a whole wide world of pizza yet we haven't even discovered. That's what people are like, oh, it's a saturated market. It's not even close. I know you can see a Papa John's, a Little right. Caesars, and a Pizza Hut on every corner, you know, and uh, mm -hmm. a Domino's. Yeah. But each one has Shout their own. Shout out Domino's. I love Domino's. I love Domino's too, actually. <laughs> yeah. uh, I will say they're the best in the game uh, from the to, from a national standpoint. Just I can't figure out how they 
you know, they they are pizzas meant to be delivered. They serve their market well, and it, it's yeah. it's good food, and they have pretty good ingredients for the most part. So, yeah, um, I will give it to them. Um, just if we're talking about a chain, I am a local guy, but I do check ingredients now. Uh, honestly, like I've had a really weird health issue recently, not the allergy one, and like a lot of like, and I've always been fairly health conscious, being in health food. Um, Mm -hmm. and taking care of myself, but I really do check, you know, what people put in their food or, or whatever. I'm a total, I feel like a snob, but I I like, I'm like, like we need more attention doing that right now. It has so much greater impact on our future than we realize. And for our children and our children's children and in the legacy of our planet and, and regenerating our planet, I can't even tell you guys like the decisions on how we eat has such larger impact and influence, not just on our own bodies. And so, Um, there's, there's a lot of that. And this is the the thing that I I just find so fascinating about this is how did you decide to, to get, how did you grow this business? Like, okay, I'm, I'm decided I'm going to do the the right thing. Okay. Cause I believe this is the right thing in the way you're handling this, the right type of food, the whole ingredients, the holistic approach, Mm -hmm. the, the, we're going to eat pizza. Let's make it like good for the human okay that those organisms that we're talking about running around in their natural way and natural uh, flour and yeast and all that that we're talking about in italy that's really actually good for the gut okay and and so there's that going for it as well so i just want to keep layering this where if you have pizza that that's got preservatives or whatever in it uh, we're running into a little bit of a problem here that's also going into your gut and so and those aren't natural and so this is what what I'm talking about. So I'm going to come back full circle to this, but I'm going to ask some questions in between. You mentioned yeah. like starting off at an Italian restaurant at 13. Are Is your background Italian? Is your family Italian? Yeah. Like talk to me yeah. a little bit about the family background. Have you guys been here for a while? Like the American dream, all that type of stuff. Because I'm, I'm the third generation, so I'm a little bit little bit off i guess second generation mm-hmm. and depending on which lineage you fully go down i guess and um so tell me a little bit about that so my my mom her her name's conchetta viavatine she was born and raised in sicily she came here when she was 12 years old um and i basically grew up under the dinner table like that's i nona making zucchini and mom, you know, peeling apples or, you know, whatever at the table. Like that's, that's like what got me into food was like, Oh, Nona's going to take me downstairs and I can grind blocks of cheese. Like, that's awesome. You know, all my cousins are playing soccer in the backyard. I'm, you know, holding linguine in my hands because Nona's got nothing else to put them on, you know? So, um, my mom has been a huge influence in my life about really, sticking to cooking like really like caring about what the what we put on the table and how it's gonna be processed and you know most importantly love like that's what she's taught me so um my dad's german and irish but my mom's first generation and she came here and yeah mine's similar like that i have like 25 to 30 percent ish pennsylvania dutch like Netherlands-ish, Germany. Um, they've been here forever, like 1800s. Mm-hmm. And I have, like, the other part, then I have, like, 20, 
23 to like 25 percent depending on who's the study is like native american in me okay obviously we know how long they've been here okay but then i have 50 percent italian that's like second generation okay Uh, my grandparents came over uh and uh great grandparents and so oh yeah and weird ways and my parents came over by themselves and you know i don't understand exactly sorry it's my grandparents came over and my grandparents great grandparents sent them over from the way i understand it but we don't really talk about it because everyone once they came here was like america we've got to fit in and while we're italian we got to live the american dream which is interesting really and you won't speak italian no italian which i'm like god damn it we robbed ourselves of that but right. uh, but I get it. You want to assimilate. You want to be part of a culture. And at the time, you know, I mean, WAP was a, and I'll say it because I am one, you know, without papers was a common term because we came yeah. here illegally as well. Um, my family came through Ellis Island, but a lot of Italians didn't have that luxury or non-luxury, yeah. depending how you looked at it. If you were quarantined for a while because you had something or need to be washed down or you had your last right. name butchered in Ellis Island because they couldn't pronounce it. Uh, so there's all of those things that happen. Um, and Italians were actually, I know for lack of a better term, we're the first ones. We went into the food industry as the food industry was building. Interestingly, like people don't realize that what we understand as restaurants and pizza huts and McDonald's, all that stuff started the earliest in mass production of food. Okay, you could argue the late 1800s, 19, early 1900s, Kellogg's, Post's all those guys but the reality is is restaurants food service as we know it didn't really start to the 20s and 30s and ramp up to the 50s and 60s and italian americans supplied a lot of that as well as you know mexican americans or or however you want to look at that chinese americans um, right however the immigrations and then it just flowed from there so i just want to anchor that for everyone um the I love the story. I just want to anchor the background because I think there's so much work ethic in the immigration family. There's the attraction to the Italian food. They're starting work at a young sure. age. Um, there's the willingness to fail and learn. I would say that's a very, I don't even know. It just is instilled in us from day one. I don't even know how to mm-hmm. describe it. Like it's just a cultural thing. Uh, and that's not to separate anyone else. It's just no, not at a all. weird acceptance, even with Catholicism as a background, that's like punishment mentality. Um, there's this weird sense of learn, grow, learn, grow, learn, fail, 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 fail. Okay, grow right. again. Learn from your growth. Okay, you know, and it's um, it's uh it's crazy right it's just one of those things where i, I, I watch other families nuts. that seem yeah. so perfect but they don't actually fail and they don't have the growth and failure or the unity as a family of growth or even the hardship i mean everyone who's like oh, you guys are always yelling at each other i'm like if you think this is yelling you haven't seen nothing yeah. <laughs> you know because this is the way right. we talk to each other and that's, we're tough love. <laughs> yeah we're honest with each other most families are want to sugarcoat everything nope that's i need to learn we're, we're teaching honest. each other we're growing each other here this is a freaking we are that that yeast in the middle of the table that's fostering that sourdough bread literally we're on the dinner table (laughs) doing it at the dinner table you know and we're spawning little sub babies out there you know uh children and children children and our friends are children of our friends and our friends we're all influenced by these environments so um the um it's all so important uh that we do this and we understand that in our families, 
that it's okay to be vulnerable and authentic and it's okay not always be what I would call the nice guy, but being the good guy. The good guy is honest and gives feedback and doesn't tell us what we want to hear. It's, you know, that family Italian environment. So I wanted to anchor that because I think it's important. Yeah, it's something that I agree. That you um that you sort of talked about but not directly, I felt like, because yeah. your work ethic came out um in that form. I oh say. yeah. My 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 family I mean my whole family on my mom's side my uncle Frank owns a car dealership. Um, my cousin Tano owns a jewelry store. My aunt Nina has a, a hair salon. You know what I mean? That's like, that's that all comes from the hard work and, you know, of the fight. The fight of just like coming here and having nothing and making something of it. And that's, you know, it's in my blood. I never expected to open a business. I've never expected to open a pizzeria. It just naturally happened because like, that's what I gravitate towards. All those things, like you said, failure, failure, failure. Well, there's certain people that when that happens, they get up every day and they're like, let's overcome this. Let's keep doing it. You know, Uncle Frank did it. Tano did it. Like, all, they all did it. Why can't you? So that you know, almost like motivates you at the end of the day to wake up and keep pushing. So, you know, I'm, I'm blessed to have a great family and a great culture behind me and you know they're always there to support me and you know i'm just i'm happy i can make them proud of what i'm doing now but this is just like the start of it because i you know i got so much going on and like so many other things i want to do and it's just like it's nice to have the foundation stepping stones to have the support behind me too so it's, it's great talk to me about um, your sort of core values. You talked about work ethic. You've talked about, we talked about your family, but I think a lot of being in the type of environment and everyone's going to think, oh, why well, my family gives core values and morals and ethics. I just don't think it's quite the same. I'm, I'm sorry. Or, you know, if you grew up on a farm, I think you somewhat might get it. And being an Italian right. on a farm also, or an Italian in a family who's in food, you get it there also. And I think you're an Italian and you also went to an Italian restaurant surrounded by Italian culture. I think there's a lot, I think Mexican Americans probably get a lot of this or a lot of immigrant groups who go into food or, or this type of field because it's such a tangible item. There's the risk of waste, but there's also the such rapid growth because of it. Like I don't know any industry where you grow faster and I've been in and I'm in and I've been in and I am in a lot of other industries you know, clothing and, and podcasting or media and now TV and transportation and logistics and IT, uh, POS systems. I've been in a lot of these business, restaurant equipment, uh, restaurant design, all of these things, but none of it's like food itself, not like being in it. And now even now that I'm branching out and educating myself because I'm a believer in always be learning is um, no matter what, always be a student. And I'm learning the baking thing. It's just like so many lessons I've learned that apply to my entire life. I just learned in the last year from baking. Right. It's craziness or making pizza has, or uh, donuts or bagels. I think it has a lot to do with failure. I mean, this the I've been doing it for probably 20 plus years now. And I would I would have to say it's the reason they, they talk about like, I don't know if you've seen the bear on Hulu, but like there's a reason the, this industry is so cutthroat because it's either you got it or you don't. And if you don't have it, work quickly 
to point at the door and say, on to the next one. But if you have the dog in you in the fight to keep going and keep waking up every day to make something out of this industry, I feel like that weeds out the work ethic part. You know what I mean? So, I, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing. You know, it's love, hate, but it's also like your value. What is your value to yourself at the end of the day? That's what gets you out of bed. So, no, I love it. I love everything about it. Let's talk about your core values because that's where I started, like, or, or your morals and ethics or your character or, or whatever the mottos that you live by, however you want to look at this. What I mean, work ethic is obviously one of them. Hard work pays off, you know, no doubt here that you believe that. Otherwise, you wouldn't have bought a $600 oven and start slinging out of your garage and build right. the business that you had. But talk right. to me about sort of your core values in life and, and the things that you believe in and that keep you going. I mean, the fact that you made, the food that you made is just one of those core values, I would say, um, yeah. which is, you know, human health or, or just the nutrition and the growth of a human um, in the right ways. And you don't want to be giving someone or feeding someone and making money off of someone by deteriorating their bodies or their minds yeah. or their future or their legacy. I think that that's, I hate to say that to all the listeners in, I probably just freaked a bunch of people out. It's like, oh my God, I just finally made a business Wait, what, that telling me I'm bad ourselves? for people. I'm like, what are you doing? I'm like, yeah, sorry guys. Like, I know I've been in food. I've went through this right. same moral dilemma. But when you start to realize like you, the food we serve, the, the things we make, if we up the quality, we actually can, you know, regenerate our planet, save future humans, oh, yeah. um, stop this compounding negatively effect from generation to generation. We just don't see it as fast because we don't procreate like every three to five years like other mammals. Right. Um, so we don't see that compounding effect. We take longer to grow and net longer and longer to get married and have children now. So the um, let's talk about those core values. Uh, I, honestly, the biggest core value to me and, you know, anybody that's worked with me in the past five years, I, I would say could tell you the same thing. It's it's positive energy. It's It's like I can't tell you how far. Uh, positive energy will go because you know until you live it every day and you get you walk in this industry and you fail 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 and it breaks you breaks you breaks you you always look somewhere to the left you always look somewhere to the right and if there's that one person that's ready to catch you or to keep you up that's that's what's satisfying so when I walk into work every day I bring the same energy I, I, I'm happy I leave everything at the door because it's so important about, you know, keeping everybody on the same wavelength. And, you know, when you set the tempo, I promise you're just a natural leader and people will follow you. And that's just, that's, that's given. It's been scientifically proven and it's just energy. So I think that's, that's the biggest one is definitely positive energy. Love this. I mean, what do you, uh, let's talk about like um, employees, like networking. Obviously, we talked about Leon Smashburgers. Like, yeah. how important it is to you to build these personal relationships, these relationships with your customers, relationships with your employees or your team members. I don't know what you call them, but talk to me about the this relationship thing because you do a good job of it. Okay. I, I can tell. Um, and, um, Let's talk yes. about how you do that. What's your mindset? How do you go about it? Because I think most people suffer in this in today's world. Yeah. Well, from, suffer all, from not doing stems, 
it all stems from the pandemic. I've always been, uh, you know, uh, that's that guy's on my team because we're in the same industry kind of guy, you know, like I always want to love and support every restaurant. I mean, there's so many new pizza places in Rochester and, you know, the first thing I do is reach out to them and be like, what can we do to help you guys? Love you guys. I buy their, the most important thing is buying the product, showing your face. Like everybody always says, Hey, we support them. We love them. But how many times do you go out and spend money at their restaurant or go there and support them and check in on them? Like that's a big one right there to, you know, really go out on my days off. I'm always going out to eat and loving and cherishing like the local restaurants, you know? So I would say that for sure. Um, but collaborating started from the pandemic, you know, I, I really got a good understanding of what these businesses are going through. Like not only am I going through stuff like from the business side of it, never expected to do it, all this, but other people are going through hardships too. And if my platform and my business can help somebody get to, you know, over there where they need to be like, I'm going to do it out of the kindness of my heart and also support what their dream is. Like Leon reached out to me. I was like, let me do a pop-up. I said, all right, come on in, come check it out. This dude wears so much love and pride on his sleeve about every burger he smashes. I know it's, it's crazy, incredible. Dude. I know it. He's an Italian, Australian, American. Crazy. He's a savage dude. And I'm like, if that doesn't get you fired up, you're in the wrong industry. So, like, what are you <laughs> no, doing? I know. It blows me away. Andy's a bodybuilder at one time. Dude. Like, I'm just like, the dude's work ethic and discipline is crazy. Right. So, I mean, like, that's the stuff that I love. I love seeing somebody wake up and have an idea. And guess what? That idea might fail 600 times. But, like, pushing to like perfect it and like putting so much time and energy into a product. That's what I did. I didn't sleep when I was starting no boys. Like, you know, I used to have ex-girlfriends come up to me and be like, go to bed. Why are you up at three in the morning making dough? Like, I don't know, but it's like, that's what drives me to wake up every day and enjoy what I do. And like, I saw the same thing in Leon. I'm like, dude, like, Whatever you need, let me know. Like, let's get it going. It's just, it's support, man. It's encouraging, supporting people's dreams. Like, I love it. I love everything about it. So, you know, if I if I can do something to help, that's I'm there. This is awesome. I loved every part of this, and um, I think that just the the what this is one of the reasons you have success, right? The energy, everyone's. I keep telling everyone this. I get a lot of questions, a lot of consulting and all this. The number one thing before, uh, you know, you have to be good at the numbers. You could have, be the best at the numbers. You could be best at sales. You could be best food in the world. But if you aren't the right person and if you have business partners or your significant other or your family's involved in business and you guys don't grow each other, don't grow the business, don't have an ultimate positive mindset or a fail and learn mindset, the business won't last. I don't care how exactly. good it is. I don't care how many people show up at first. I don't care how many decades you're in business. Ultimately, when that little freaking nightmare shows up, the that negative energy, you're done for. I don't care how profitable you are. I don't either. I don't, exactly. I don't care. It's like it's about support and love. Yep. You know, at the end of the day, and that's you know, I have 
one of one of my really good friends, Chef Cruz, he's in Rochester and he's 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 turning leaves and changing industry right now of like doing fine dining wine. And he has the same drive and same energy as me. It's like he's gonna love and support everybody out there. What he does to do it, he wakes up and he he does it. Like he goes to the restaurant and he loves everybody and spends a bunch of money and it's not about the money, but it's about the effort. And that's what matters. And like people like that, you know, I gravitate to, and I, I, cause the energy is real. The positive mind frame is there and the hard work and the hustles there. So how do you not gravitate towards those people? I don't, I, you know, it's crazy because now I actually, I actually expel them out of my life or I like repel them. Like they'll come up to me and they're just like disgusted by me. I'm like, okay, I must be too positive for this person. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm doing something wrong. I'm or, doing something wrong or like, okay, like maybe I'm just like, I'm not supposed to have that person in my life or they're negative, but yeah, I think it, they're in a different chapter and they yeah. might find it down the road, but also don't let it hurt you where it's going to slow you down because that's not good for your personal, you know, self. So exactly. And all we can do is lead by example, even if we uh, expel them or or repel them or repulse them, we can just see, keep living the life that we're supposed to. And ultimately attraction is better than promotion, no matter what. So the more right there, that's all we can do is lead by example. If people don't want to buy a ticket for that train ride, then it's okay. Somebody else will, but please don't slow the train down. You know what I mean? That's my biggest thing. Yeah, I'm in 100% agreement on this. The uh, don't like it's okay to let people on and off the bu- bus, on and off the train, and not take it personally. Like it took me right. a long time to not take it personally. Like I was doing something wrong, but they're on a different journey than we are. And it's not about the destination, it's about the journey. And there's right. so many things like that that, and, um, that we need to sort of just foster, you know, and for sure and grow. Where do you want this to go, Jim? Like, where are you hoping this goes? Like you're, you're just getting started by all accounts and yet you already have success. And what I would say, and uh, just from a spiritual standpoint alone, um, and you have the right mindset. Okay. Like I talked about that restaurant thing. The reason restaurants succeed and fail always comes down to mindset. It's why they're like, Oh, that business was around for 20 years. I wonder what happened. Mindset. Oh, their rent went up. No, it doesn't matter if their rent ever goes up. If they have the right mindset, they're building the right relationships. They can increase their prices. They can add They can explain it to their clients and customers. Hey, we're going through this. Sorry to increase the prices. We're going through this. This is a rent thing. You, you know, I don't know, but there's a lot of authenticity and vulnerability that happens in good relationships. So I just want to anchor that for everyone, because I do think your attitude uh, your mental attitude, your your energy, your work ethic, like we talked about, your family mindset, obviously has contributed to this. And then, you know, everything else becomes secondary. They're important. They're not not important. The you know the accounting, the marketing, the um, ordering of food, managing your inventory, sticking to recipes, having standard operating procedures, especially in food. All those things are important. But at the same time, without you know, without um, Tinkerbell's magic little fairy dust, you ain't going to fly, okay? Right. That's just all I'm going to say. You still need the fairy dust, and Tinkerbell's Mary F- magic fairy dust, remember how it works? You got to think happy thoughts, okay? Exactly. And, and so, bingo. That's, I would say that's, that's it, man. Like, I want, 
I want this business to go in the direction of wherever, you know, my positive energy leads it. And like, I'm very confident that I am a great, I don't like calling myself a chef. Let's start there. I, 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 I'm a student of the game. I worked hard. I got a lot of notes and everything. I like, you know, I like cultivating in a kitchen. I like bringing the energy. I like managing that way. And I, I, you know, I, I can go sling euros or do whatever, whatever food I touch. But the most important thing is that I have that, that team that's loving and supporting me and enjoying what they do every day. I would love to open, you know, another Doughboys down south and maybe Virginia or Carolina where the pizza's absolute ass, you know, and bring some good pizza to a, a nice area that needs it. That, that'd be, you know, really cool for my next step. But, you know, I just want to keep the flame going and the, the vibes rolling, to be honest. I love it. And I agree with you. Good pizza needs to be spread healthy pizza. And I'll say healthy because it is those bacteria that are growing in our guts, guys. It's very important. That's why bread that back in the day, bread and all that stuff was such an important and valuable source and why we would live longer. It's not whatever. It's not the sugar infested bread that we deal with today and the fortified vitamins that uh, our body isn't meant to process in that way. So, uh, so give me an idea of your menu. What do you have on the menu? I totally got distracted on your recipes. I like totally, I get totally into like wanting to like, I'm about to go run like five miles after this podcast. I'm all <laughs> pumped up and like go do CrossFit. But, um, right. Uh, the menu pumped. is basically just simple. Like we do simple things done well. We don't want to overexert ourselves when we're getting, you know, our dicks kicked in. We want to make sure that the quality of product going out is above average to best you know what i mean so we i formulate the menu around simple food done well so we have five or six starters um house salad i have a white italian white bean hummus um what else do we have uh we have chicken wings on the menu which is a richmond staple the bar that's been around for almost 100 years is known for their chicken wings so we do chicken wings and we kill them but they're done simply. That's it. Um, and then we have pizzas. And then for dessert, we have one thing. It's a sourdough chocolate chip cookie that, you know, I got blessed with a recipe from one of the homies. And I fine-tuned it and made it mine. And all we do is chocolate chip cookies. So if you want a little uh, little sweet tooth, you know what I mean? We, we still activate it with the sourdough discard. So you're still getting that. And... You know, you can get a little bite to bite of dessert with sea salt. Shout out to Chef Cruz for the sea salt, you know. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I want everything very simple, very easy to execute. So we don't overwork ourselves, one, but also put everything we got into every product going out. And consistency, you'll be surprised. Consistency shines, man, especially in the food industry. You know, our, our, our guests who keep coming back brave about how every time they get something that tastes the same and that to me that makes me sleep at the end of the night so this is just so spot on really because like i agree with you consistency people want the same thing if they like the same pizza they don't want it to taste different every time so i mean 
accuracy is king, right? It's why McDonald's, you can get the same st- flavor everywhere you go. It's the discipline. It's the, the ability to follow the same recipe no matter what. So right. I think that that's what we're talking about here. So I'm, I'm going to ask you where they can find you because I'm going to reach out to you. I want to do part two. We didn't get through all yep. the questions, that's uh, all good. Jim. Um, but I do want to do a part two with you for sure, just like I did with Leon. Um, Absolutely. So I'll send you some times and dates, and we'll go through all that. But okay. I, I know we're both on a time crunch here, and uh, we know we juggled our schedules all day today, which I appreciate. I just want to yeah, say I appreciate, I appreciate you, you following was... through. I appreciate I... you doing what you say you're going to do and keeping yep. your word and stuff like that. Not many people do anymore. And so it is a reflection of your character, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my, my father always told me, if you're going to do something, do it. And, yeah. you know, that's that, that shift with me my whole entire career. So, you know, shout out my dad. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Where can they find you online, and where are you located, yeah. your address? Uh, my The Instagram is Doughboys, with a Z, Rock, R-O-C, from Rochester. Um, definitely follow us on Instagram if you can. Uh, link is in the bio for our website, but right now we are located at 21 Richmond Street, which um, the Richmond is a historic bar in Rochester. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, the hours of operation are Thursday through Monday. Saturday, Sunday, we're open for lunch, but we usually open at four o'clock. Awesome. Thank you very much. Again, guys, thank you, everyone. If you like the show, please share it. Please um like it please give a comment if you're a fan of gyms and you're a fan of doughboys please share the episode please give comments on the episode please give it five stars or whatever that helps the algorithm that helps the story get out there it helps it do better again this show's about spreading the word to other entrepreneurs and the entrepreneur journey but we do have a lot of people out there a lot of fans a lot of clients and customers that listen for restaurants all over the place as well so if you guys really want to support this and support what's going on uh, the entrepreneur volunteers their time they're telling their story it's a great way to help support them and support what we do here at this podcast so i appreciate you guys i love you guys for listening in Again, you can find us at Justin the Food Entrepreneurs. You can DM us if you want to be on the show. If you go to Better with Bacon Fat uh, on Instagram, there is a phone number on there. You can uh, text message it if you want to be on the show, and we can set you up uh, for an interview on the show. Lastly, you can find us on Spotify or wherever else you grow yourself through podcasts. And thank you for all the support and everyone, and we're out.